Here we are, the new Locked On NFL alongside the scout Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock. We're taking you around the league here on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, all of your favorite podcast apps. We would love a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us at Google Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya, everywhere. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can follow Matt at Williamson NFL. That's where these questions came in today on our first ever, well, my first ever Twitter Tuesday with you, Matt. Yes, and I'm excited to keep this tradition going. It's been a very popular show of mine for years. But a couple programming notes. First off, Brian mentioned, you know, we have a lot more listeners since going to the format, but we don't have a lot more iTunes reviews. So some mm. of you new folks, as well as my longtime subscribers, get out there and leave us a little review. That would be useful. Yeah, not to chew you guys out anymore, <laughs> but what the heck? I mean, this was maybe the hardest I've ever had to work to get Twitter questions from y'all. What the heck's going on here? So better not be a reflection on Brian or something. What the heck's going Maybe it's you, you brought a uh, a dearth of you know, Twitter questions or something with you <laughs> on board. I don't know yeah, what's going on with that. I, I shut but everybody folks, down. We're gonna be, I, I'm sorry, but folks, we'll be recording this on Monday night for Twitter Tuesday. So I'm going to need your Twitter questions on Monday from here on out. So yeah, Monday. Last warning. Bring the heat on Monday. People are maybe yeah. worried that I'm going to shut down their questions or something like that. Uh, no, <laughs> keep them coming as you normally would have. We'll have fun with them. We've got some serious ones, and uh, we've got plenty to get to today. We've got a lot that's going to take us through. And if we don't get to your question, apologies, we'll get to it next time. But keep those coming. Sounds good. Let's do it. Let's get it going. Let's start with this is my game face. He's got a Colts question. And and actually, I want to get you. You've hinted at your Super Bowl picks this year, Matt. And I, I might want to see if I can get you to lock those in today. But uh, he asks, correlation between the 2019 Colts and the 2017 Eagles. Colts going into the second year under Frank Reich as uh, the coach, like the 17 Eagles did. Uh, Frank has talked about running more effectively and having more splash plays. Staples of that 2017 Eagles team. Love to hear you talk about that. Yeah, and my Super Bowl picks are the Eagles and the Colts. I'm not going to lock that in because I want to see the preseason. But if I have to make a choice right now, that is it. Subject to change. And a lot of it for the same reasons. I mean, I think these are very similar organizations. I think both embrace analytics. I think Frank Reich has been absolutely crucial in both of them. And that's one thing I kind of worry about with Philly a little bit is, was Peterson inflated because of Reich? Uh, how much has he missed? You know, I mean, he's doing phenomenal work here and I can't believe he would be um, easily replaced in Philadelphia, but they both believe in building through the offensive lines. I think both the, the Colts are a step or two behind in their team development but I think that both teams are going to put a lot of resources, not only in linemen, but a very wide variety of weapons. And all of a sudden, this Colts group of receivers, and we're hearing great things about Paris Campbell, Funchess, Deion Kane's a guy I liked an awful lot who didn't play last year, Hilton, Ebron Doyle. Like they're, they can come at you in all shapes and sizes. Naheem Hines, you know, it's a real basketball team of receivers or pass catchers. And the Eagles are very much the same. These two ha- also happen to have two of my favorite three quarterbacks in the league in terms of where who I think will be the next great ones. So I do think there's an awful lot of similarities here, um, and it's not a coincidence. 
Yep, an awful lot of similarities between those two teams. The often injured quarterbacks that if they're healthy for a full season, True. like you said, should be among the top handful of passers in the league. And so I love what the Colts are doing. They're just behind the curve of what the Eagles have already done. And I think they're smart, forward-thinking front offices all the way down through the coaching staff. And I love that about both of those teams. And I'm with you, Matt. And by the way, lock it in. Matt Williamson said the Colts-Eagles <laughs> Super Bowl. That's happening 2020 February. Get ready for it. Uh, let's move on to Zach's question. He wants to talk tight ends. Will Evan Ingram be a top three tight end? That's interesting because he would have to knock off somebody who's right now. There's a clear top three. I think coming into this year, he would have to knock one of them off. Yeah. And it's a good question. And Brian, you'll quickly learn that the, our listeners are very smart about phrasing fantasy questions in the form <laughs> of an NFL question, which Hey, you guys can just ask me a flat-out fantasy question, too. I don't care. Yeah, that's okay. But <laughs> but when this wasn't as much of a fantasy show, I used to kind of you know push for, just phrase it in a general term. Top three, if we're just looking like for fantasy reasons, production, I think that's possible. In terms of an all-around NFL tight end, I'm going to say no. Um, I'm a big Ingram fan, but he's obviously a style of tight end. I mean, very much in the healthier version of Jordan Reed category, route runner, after the catch, flat-out speed, not a lot of sand in his pants as a blocker, which is obviously well down the line. And the reality is you can call these guys tight ends, but they're big slot receivers is really what these a lot of these modern-day tight ends are. That being said, will he be a top three tight end I prefer OJ Howard from his class, that great tight end class. So I would I would bet on Howard to take that jump over Ingram. And I don't I'd be really shocked if Ingram would catch Kittle or Kelsey. So with all respect to Zach Ertz, I just don't think he's as talented as these guys we're talking about, but he's as productive as any. My hunch is a year from now, the top three tight ends in the NFL in some order will be Kelsey Howard Kittle. I'm totally with you on that, and I was about to say O.J. Howard and Evan Ingram are the two guys that I think are four and five for me, and when I'm drafting fantasy football teams, I'm trying to get Evan Ingram and I'm trying to get O.J. Howard because I don't want to pay the price for one of the top three tight ends because of how high they're going in drafts, and I'm looking for other positions there. Yeah, And uh, Evan Ingram, on the fantasy level, absolutely he is a guy that, and we saw it as a, as a rookie, and faltered a little bit last year, and they ran into some problems. And with this New York Giants offense the way it is and their lack of receiving depth now, uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if on a fantasy landscape he is able to get into that conversation. And whether or not he leapfrogs any of those top three guys, he could make it a top four conversation. And O.J. Howard just has a little bit more, I think, uh, just more competition for touches and targets over there. And he's got Cameron Brait and a better wide receiving core than mm-hmm. uh, Evan Ingram has, which is why I would put Ingram four as far as fantasy rankings go. And obviously, like you said, he's a big slot wide receiver. He's not an inline blocking tight end. If you're talking about all around tight ends around the league, I don't think he would be able to get into that top three. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think Howard, I mean, it's pretty much demanded of them at Alabama is clearly a superior blocker and probably always will be thicker bodied guy. I think Howard's a pretty special player, and I don't know we've talked enough about that, but, I mean, he's certainly one of my NFL massive breakout candidates. Howard is so good, and talent-wise, I think he might be number one. 
And it's just you a, might be right. It's about getting the target level. It's about getting the the opportunity and not having that competition and staying healthy for a full season. I, I would not be surprised at all if one year from now we're talking about OJ Howard's that guy in our NFL pick ten, and OJ Howard's actually the most talented tight end in the NFL. Two others I wanted to throw out there, and there's probably more because there's a lot of young, impressive tight ends in the league right now. We haven't seen Hawkinson yet, but I absolutely believe he'll be a star and. I hope that he's used well. I think Patricia envisions him as Gronk. I don't know that they'll use him as well as the Patriots did. I mean, nobody does. So we'll see. But I think he also should be a star before long. Rookie tight ends don't do a heck of a lot. And then the other one is Dallas Goddard. I mean, I like Ertz an awful lot. Don't get me wrong. So Dallas is sort of blocked. But, boy, he is really talented. All the reports are glowing. I think he's got a chance to be a great one, too. And, you know, when Ertz's contract's up, maybe they just move on. Hunter Henry coming back. There's Mark yeah. Andrews that could take a step. Uh, there is a ton of talented tight ends right now in the NFL. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. Support of Locked On NFL comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% at manscaped.com with promo code locked on. Let's keep this Twitter Tuesday going with Mark. He says, What's your take on all or nothing? If we didn't know Luke Keekley is a monster up close, uh, I think he means that we already knew he's a monster, but up close, we know he's a monster even more. And uh, the new owner seems to be the new breed of NFL owner that the league needs. Dante Jackson, whilst good, seems a handful, and it's good to see Cam Newton portrayed positively as a leader. I have to come clean. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't watched any of the all or nothing. (laughs) But I wanted to take this question for a couple of reasons. First of all, um, a friend of mine that I went to high school with, Keith Cosrow, works for NFL Films, and he is uh, very, very involved in this series since the beginning and does phenomenal work. I actually think it's a better series than Hard Knocks, which starts Tuesday. I mean, Tuesday night, I think, is the first one. Um, But it is in retrospect. I've watched all of them up until this Carolina one, and I plan on doing it, but I just seem to be busier than I've ever been this time of year. But my son is watching it, who's 12, and has some of dad's genes and isn't the fastest or swiftest (laughs) athlete, but uh, has some scouting type of genes. And he said a couple times, he's like, I thought Keekley was good, but he's a monster. I mean, like he used the same words. And I do think this this organization in general is going the right direction in terms of ownership and the way they're built. So I'm excited to dig in, and I wanted to just bring it up. And if some other people on Twitter want to get back to us, that's great, because it is a great show. Yeah, and it's in my queue. I haven't been able to watch it yet, and it's so well done. I totally agree. And then we've got Hard Knocks coming up, and it's like I'm – I'm doing 10 podcasts a week. I've got my regular job. Yeah. I'm commuting in and out of the city now because I've moved out of in the middle of San Francisco, which is nice because I got space. But my commute is longer now and uh, chasing around a one year old. If I turn the TV on, I swear to God, Matt, I fall asleep within 15 minutes. So it would be a waste <laughs> if I put it on right now. So I've got to find some nice time to carve out and watch that thing because I really want to see it. Yeah. And I am a TV buff. Don't get me wrong, but. When I'm up at training camp, there's no TVs and I'm not watching anything and I'm tied in or out at the bar or whatever, too. And when I'm and at home, I'm, I'm back and forth so often. I've hardly ever been able, to, been able to catch up with Shark Week. I've only got like one or two of the Shark Week episodes under my belt. So I'm behind, but I will catch up maybe not till after the season, though. 
And I got to imagine the team, the fans of the teams that are on either uh, Hard Knocks or the All or Nothing program. It's got to be awesome for those teams to get that 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 curtain pulled back and see really yeah. deep down into the see what people are really all about, see what's going on behind the scenes. And for me, the 49ers haven't been on any of those shows yet. They produce their own. It's called Brick by Brick, and uh, we lovingly call it soft knocks because it's produced by the team. They put out there what they want, a lot of slow motion highlights and interviews, and it's really cool, but it would be awesome to see a rawer look behind the scenes. I got to imagine that's really awesome for fans of teams that are on those shows. Yeah, they are well done, but you, you all need to remember, I'm pretty sure, and you may know this better than I do, I think the team approves everything that ends up on HBO or Netflix or oh. Amazon Prime or whatever. So think about the Browns last year with Hugh Jackson and Haley not looking so great. I always think about what got cut. Imagine, yeah, what was on the cutting room floor? Yeah. Imagine what those guys, you know, if that's the good stuff. Wow. Oh, man. And, and no team wants to be on those shows, but it's so great for the fans. Let's, Absolutely. And I do think the Raiders will be great, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not a better team to be on it this year, I think, than the Raiders. Let's For move sure. on to A-Dub on Twitter. Uh, any update, updates on the battle between Washington and Moncrief? Thanks. Big fan of the, fan of the podcast. Yeah, that might be another um, thinly veiled question about fantasy football, but uh, I'm interested in your answer, Matt, because you were the one that would know about that. Washington or Moncrief? you also notice is a, a usually a, a stronger Steeler vibe than on some of these Twitter questions too. So I try to avoid some of the Steeler questions, but my take on the Steeler wide receiver position, because I also saw there was a question about Juju. First of all, I think Juju looks noticeably better than last year. And he obviously was very wow. impressive. His body, his movement, his confidence, his routes, attacking the ball, especially red zone. Um, he really is impressive. I mean, very impressive. Washington has always been impressive in, in camp, in all the practices. I mean, going back to last year, but last year he couldn't take it to the field and was swimming a little bit. And that's not uncommon. I mean, especially coming from Oklahoma state and the way they played offense was much different than the NFL. He also dropped 15 pounds. He almost looked like a running back last year. He's got an odd build. Like, yeah. He's got he's got a high waistline, but he's really thick in his upper body. And, and long he drops, arms. Yeah, long arms, you're right. Long strider that can open it up. And he, he dropped about 15 pounds. And I do think he's coming in out of his breaks better now. That's a huge thing they stress at the receiver position going back to Antonio Brown. And Moncrief's kind of been the talk of camp that, boy, I didn't realize how good this guy was. And, you know, like when we were talking about free agency, I didn't tar target him at all. I didn't think he'd be somebody to look at for the Steelers. But after they signed him, I went back and watched him. And I thought his best year as a pro was last year in Jacksonville. But the supporting cast was just horrible, including the quarterback and the blocking and everything. And if you're, he's only 25 years old. I mean, for a guy that's been in the league that long, he's only getting better. And I read some really interesting stats that if you just look at the games he's played with Andrew Luck, because the other games he's played in his career are with really bad quarterbacks, and you project those out, which I know is kind of dangerous, he'd be around 1,200 yards and 11 touchdown type of guy. Like with good quarterback play, he's produced. With bad quarterback play, he hasn't. So in a nutshell, I think the the reality is three, three receiver sets are – starters and I think what the Steelers will trot out there a heavy percentage of the time is Moncrief and Washington on the outside Juju in the slot which is a pretty big physical group when you throw in 
Connor and McDonald and Roethlisberger. I mean, it's a pretty big physical offense now. See, from the outside looking in, from my perspective on that, I've been down the Moncrief road. I've been beguiled by his talent for too long. And yeah. if you tell me Washington's legit, I will buy Washington all day. He'll be on my fantasy teams. I'm just, I can't go down Moncrief Street again because, you know, the, I love the talent and I just, it just never seems to happen. And fool me once. Yeah, right? I just, I can't, can't do it again. No, I hear you there. I mean, seeing him in person and seeing Ben talk about him and the beat reporters and all that. But my tune might change come week four. We've got a question from Commander who says, should the Chargers have replaced the coach after Belichick turned him inside out in the playoffs? They have Super Bowl roster, but now no confidence when they play the Pats. Well, the Pats tend to do that to people. <laughs> um, and getting out coached by Belichick is, isn't yeah, the worst the thing in the world. You know, It's like losing to Ali in, the, in his prime. Um, but most consider Anthony Lynn a top 10 type head coach. And I always thought that was a little rich, but I, his reputation is very strong. So my, my short answer is no. The Chargers, to me, kind of ran out of gas because everyone was praising them up and down. Boy, they threw seven defensive backs on the field to shut down the Ravens. Well, they did that because they didn't have any linebackers left. Everybody was hurt. I mean, it was kind of by default. And I think seeing the Ravens a second time was more useful than putting out lighter personnel in that game. Um, also, much like Brady, much like Breeze, I thought Rivers hit somewhat of a wall late in the year. Some of these older guys are starting to wear down. And the Chargers have a couple disadvantages. They have no home field advantage. They historically have been bad on special teams their ownership isn't i'll say isn't the best but they won going into the playoffs there was eight times they got on a plane and they were eight and zero in those games last year they did lose a road game that but it was against the rams in la so they didn't get on a plane but the one time they got in a plane to went overseas they won so they're eight and zero on the road that's pretty darn good head coaching to me i mean that that those are some rough obstacles to overcome and the Chargers are, or were and are, a serious contender. But I do think they might have the best roster in the league. And I don't think they have a problem in the coaching department. The no. only problem I think right now the Chargers have is to figure out how to build this going forward. Do they go all in now? Do they put all their resources into winning now with Rivers? Do they try to look at the future, develop somebody behind Rivers, and keep this going for a long time? That's the question I have with the Chargers. Yes, although my one com complaint with the Chargers, they have Tyrod Taylor. It's kind of an interesting backup. I mean, he's probably one of the better backups in the league, but he's not the long-term answer, and he's nothing like Rivers. Yeah. But I really thought, considering all the things they did this offseason, I would like to see one more prominent offensive lineman. I mean, that was the one area that I thought they ignored too much. Okay, you mentioned Tom Brady there. I want to get to his new contract that we haven't touched on yet. And the former Pats defensive coordinator, Brian Flores, now in Miami. That's an interesting team. We've got a question on that coming up. Folks, this episode is brought to you by Five Star Painting, a neighborly company. Five Star Painting is looking for new owners to join their growing company. Could this be the perfect opportunity for you? Are you driven? Do you have a heartbeat for to be an entrepreneur? If you're interested in running your own business... Text five star. That's all one word, all caps, to eight seven zero zero zero. Right now, and you'll learn a lot more. Choosing to start your business with five star painting means setting yourself up for success. 
by surrounding yourself with the best in the business and the best at the business. With five-star painting, you'll be your own boss, pick your own territory, set your own hours, and live a better quality life running a business that you can be proud of. You'll have access to the best resources to help you scale your landscape business and meet your personal and professional goals, and you will go home every day with the great satisfaction of helping your customers enhance and maintain the beauty of their homes. At five star paint, as a five-star painting owner, you will also be part of a greater neighborly community for home service brands. Neighborly has empowered more than 3,700 entrepreneurs to achieve their dreams and go th- and goals through local business and ownership. No one knows the home security industry better than Neighborly. Every year, nearly 1 million customers are proudly served by one of Neighborly's 22 award-winning brands, some of which include Mosquito Joe, Molly Maid, Glass Doctor, and Mr. Rooter. Folks, I've been basically an entrepreneur and running my own business to some degree for the last 15 years or so, working from home, making my own hours. I wouldn't have it any other way, and you you get a chance to do that with Five Star. Whether you've been thinking about starting your own business or you're already running your own painting company, text text Five Star to 87000 to learn more about how a Five Star painting franchise can help you get where you want to go faster than it's going on its on its own. So again, text 5 star to 87000 to learn more about the neighborly brands that may be available in your area and we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast. Let's start with Tom Brady. Uh, go Pats. Go figure. Go Pats is the guy who asked the Brady question. He says, "Hey Matt and Peacock." He offered he he'll get it us every week. Go Pats is okay. my man. Okay, okay. I love it. Go Pats. <laughs> Keep it coming. Uh he says, "Hey Matt and Peacock, can you please discuss the Tom Brady contract extension and how it relates to the Pats view their uh, quarterback situation in the near future? How many years do you think Tom has left to play at an elite level? I have no idea. I mean, quarterbacks play longer than ever now. The rules really help them um, that you can win with your mind for a very long time. But I also think this was Brady's worst year in a while. And was he still at an elite level? Yes. But I've often said this on these airwaves that 2018 Brady's low light tape was more littered with plays than any year that I can remember. There was just more head scratchers, bad throws, missed throws that you didn't see in, in other years. There was a lot of them by his standards. I also thought he wore out late in the year. But I think that's what's really interesting here, and I don't know we've talked about it enough over the years, is he's finally making – big-time quarterback money, where before he was making like a third of what his value was. And yes, he's not a poor man. He's been making a ton of money for an awful lot of years, but he easily could have demanded $30 million a year over all this stretch, and he didn't. He took much, much less. Part of it's because his wife made more money than him, but part of it was just because he's so competitive and team-oriented He allowed the Patriots to go use that money elsewhere. And not only was that a massive salary cap, you know, help to them, but then they used to use this routine. Like if Chandler Jones wanted more money or Trey Flowers, well, we can't pay you more than Tom. (laughs) I mean, what are you crazy? We can't pay you more than Tom. So, well, how do you come back into that? If, you know, how's your agent come and counter with that? So now he's making huge money. And one thing about this this uh, this deal that makes me wonder is now they don't have the cap space to really do anything. Like I think they would have a tough time going to get Trent Williams 
or bringing back Gronk, you know, something like that. So they're sometimes they get they make that move and pick up a veteran. They're pretty tight up against it now after this. And it's interesting because only five quarterbacks have been an NFL starter at the age of 42 and beyond where Tom Brady is right now. And really his contract, I don't think changes much. And he sort of shrugged his shoulders when he was asked about it. And I think he's still, it's still the same three-year deal. He's going to get paid a little bit more now actually with this contract. And if he plays through the contract and he's starting still when it's, uh, he's going to be going into his age 45 season when it's over. It was uh, Steve DeBerg, a modern quarterback. He was 44 years old when he was playing quarterback uh, with the Falcons in uh, 19... I can't believe DeBerg's still playing in 1998. That's kind of crazy. And then you got to go back crazy. to George Bland to play it at 48 years old. I'm pretty confident saying Tom Brady won't get there, but I am not going <laughs> to put it past Brady to go to 45. Right, I agree with you. And DeBerg and even Bland at the end, I mean, they weren't 16-game starters. You know, they, right. they they were backups. I mean, Blanda was kicking and, you know, there was other guys involved. So no one's done what Brady's doing and then compounded with Super Bowl victories and, you know, playing at such a high level. Who's to say? But, I mean, the Patriots do keep adding second, third, fourth-round quarterbacks. I mean, Jimmy, Brissett, Stidham this year. Um, so they're only, they don't ignore the backup situation. No, and I think that's smart, and they're doing a great yeah. thing by doing that and trying to develop a guy just in case, and they better keep doing that. And so it's pretty amazing, though, to see Tom Brady just fight those off, too, and and see someone like Garoppolo's rookie contract just pass by, and he's like, nope, still here. Sorry, man. It's it's, yeah. it's pretty amazing. It really, It's utterly amazing. Let's go to George, who says, do you think there is much chance the Dolphins decide to build around Rosen after this season? And this, I'm interested to hear what you say, Matt, about the Dolphins, because it's really intriguing to me. And I don't think Rosen, with the awful situation he was in last year with Arizona, got the shot that he deserved. And I think that he was probably one of the top couple of quarterbacks if he stayed in college and was in uh, the 2019 draft. How do you feel about Rosen? How do you feel about the Dolphins going forward? I really, really liked him coming out of school. And I think that... Last year doesn't change my opinion on him. He had very little chance to succeed. Not only did they have, not only did they start five backup offensive linemen to start the end of the season, the five in front of those guys weren't any good to begin with. They went through two coordinators. There was no blocking. It was the worst offense in the league by a wide margin. Did Rosen help it? No, he didn't. But I, I just thought he was thrown into an unwinnable situation for a rookie. Um, but I worry that this year is going to be exactly the same. You know, that that line in Miami might be every bit as bad with the exception of Tunsil. They're going to lose a ton of games. He's going to get his head beat in. Um, I've also heard that he has, um, I mean, maybe he could be a little more dedicated to the game too. And he has a lot of off-the-field interests other than football. And I wonder if his career path keeps going this way, will he just be like, the heck with it and go do something else? Who knows? But I still like him. I praise the Dolphins for that move. I think that even if Fitzpatrick's the opening day starter and does okay, by week eight or so, you better insert Rosen just to see where he is. Um, And maybe he'll succeed. I mean, I I do think that's a good coaching staff. I'm very interested to watch him. But I fear that he's going to get traded after the year for a third-round pick to the Bengals, and then Miami is going to take Tua. Then he becomes that... Right, that journeyman quarterback never gets a chance to play with the same coordinator for a couple of years and get his get his career on track. That would be a rough go for Rosen, but I could see it definitely going in that situation. But I love Miami's move picking him up on the cheap. I mean, that was mm-hmm. the no brainer quarterback move. I think of the offseason for Miami. 
Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, what was he, the eighth or ninth pick in the draft the year before? And I think they got him for around the 50th pick in the draft. I mean, it's at least worth a shot. See where he's at. Even if he's your long-term backup, it's worth it. I mean, so I do praise the, the Dolphins for making that move. Let's do one more here. Zach has a question. Actually, hold on. Zach already snuck one fantasy football question in. I don't oh. know if we can do another one. He wants to know about Marquise Brown being fantasy relevant here as a flex starter. Uh, Lamar Jackson there is quarterback. He sees them connecting on a couple of 40-yard bombs. I will say no on Marquise Brown this year. Rookie wide receiver uh, in that offense. They're going to run the ball a lot. Might be a couple of 40-yard bombs, but that also might be it. Yeah, I mean, he'll be like a watch list guy for me for fantasy um, they don't, they're not, I think they'll throw the ball more this year, but they are not going to be a high volume passing attack. We know that. Um, but I do think Brown sooner than later is going to be more than Ted Ginn. Um, he's going to be more than Deshaun Jackson. I mean, I think he can beat you with comebacks and, uh, quick hitters. I think he's a more developed route runner than just a track burner speed guy. And I think he'll be successful there, but uh, I think he'll be more successful for NFL than for fantasy. Yeah, stay away from rookie wide receivers in fantasy football unless yeah. you get them on the super cheap because it's just it's so rough for rookies in the NFL. One more real quick one, Matt, here. This is from Travis. Do you see the Titans making the playoffs? And also your thoughts on Jeffrey Simmons as a steal of a pick looking back in three years. I think Simmons, if he were a clean prospect and mostly medical but also off the field, maybe is a top five pick this year. I mean, and – easily a top 10 pick is he's a big time prospect. So I think that will absolutely pay off in three years. Playoff team. I think they're about the most on the bubble AFC team I can come up with. I mean, I think that they won't go six and 10. They won't go 11 and five. They'll probably be nine and seven, you know, and I, and I like the organization and it's very solid. I think Vrabel's a really good coach. But I'm going to stay right in the bubble. I'm not going to pick them to win division. I like that. It's like the Titans. If you're better than the Titans, you're a playoff team. If you're worse than Titans, you're not a playoff team. Yeah, right. They're like the line <laughs> of demarcation, the Mendoza line. I love that. Matt, thank you so much. This is a fun Twitter Tuesday. Thanks, everybody, for getting those questions in. Apologies if we didn't get to yours. Try again next week when we do another Twitter Tuesday right here on Locked On NFL.